Welcome to All Things in the Name of Love. If you like this show, please like, subscribe, and share. Thanks. Welcome to another episode of All Things in the Name of Love. Today I have with me a beautiful soul. I can already feel her heart. She's amazing. Her name is Katrina Boss. And among other things, she's an author and uh, she works intimately with Tantra as an instructor and a guide. And I just want to thank you so much for first off being on the show and for all the work you do in the world. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. <laughs> so I wanted to start off with a brief introduction of like your journey. Um, how did you get called to work with Tantra? At what time? Like what shifted in your life that opened you up to it? It was actually about 10 years into my marriage. I was married for 10 years, uh, 20 years. And we had, you know, a good marriage. Like we really did. And he's a good man. We're still good friends. And it's interesting because, you know, your podcast is called, you know, it's all about love, right? And 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 it's interesting because according to the world, we had love, right? Mm-hmm. We were kind, we had great sex, we had orgasms, we had all the things that theoretically we had two children and a farm, like we were, we were a good couple, mm-hmm. but I knew there was more. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time lying in bed with him and I thought, what else is there? And literally the word Tantra rose up inside of me. Mm. Of course, this was sort of pre-internet. I mean, the internet existed, but you couldn't search it. Like right. there was no, right? Right. And so I go to my local library and ask the ladies there to order me every book on Tantra in all of Ontario. I'm in Canada. And of course they were, you know, they came in and they're literally like looking over me, like over their glasses as they're like, <laughs> stamping these books right like because there's some of the books were crazy like you know you know wild sex orgies in the woods covered in dirt and like just like and I'm like <laughs> you know and so but eventually I did find this book and it was a book by Diana Richardson called the heart of tantric sex oh. and suddenly I went this is what I seek. And this is one of the, an interesting thing about Tantra is anyone that I've worked with who is interested in Tantra, it's like that. It's like they're looking for something they already know. Mm-hmm. Like maybe something that was trained out of us or something that simply wasn't cultivated. And when we hear it, we go, oh, I know this. Mm-hmm. But now you put words to it. And that's what that began my journey because mm-hmm. I, I married a dairy. I grew up in Toronto. I married a dairy farmer, moved to the middle of nowhere. I had there was no community, no anything. It was just mm-hmm. you know, him and the kids and I. And and so it really was this personal journey. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't really interested in the sexual stuff. He was very happy with our sex life. And I was like, hmm. So I actually was forced to sort of dry, dive into the spiritual side. Mm-hmm. And then eventually we did play sexually mm-hmm. and I had this moment, we went to Jamaica and I had this moment during intercourse of revelation mm-hmm. and I'd never had that experience. And I wouldn't have even called it that until 10 years later when I realized actually what it was. Mm-hmm. And I, I literally, this light or this energy shot up inside of me and I, I kind of did one of these, you know, for a while. And then it was like, oh, I know this now. It was almost like the veil had disappeared between this and past lifetimes. And I now knew something I already previously knew. Mm-hmm. And then I knew I was supposed to teach. Oh. And it was, and it was so interesting because what I love so much about Tantra, you know, you you work with animals and you're close to nature and you work with that energy of the earth. In many ways, that's what Tantra is. Tantra originally thousands of years ago, we didn't separate spirit and nature and humans and all these things. Like everything was just one. Uh It wasn't until around like 4,000 years ago that we started separating this out, that only the priests were allowed to do spiritual things and the common people just worked, Uh you know, whether it was the Brahmins in India or the Catholic church, whatever it was, it was separated out from the people. Uh And that is the most intrinsically damaging thing that happens to us mm-hmm. because suddenly we don't realize who we really are mm-hmm. we're kind of like you know we aren't animals and there's nothing wrong with animals but we actually do have this incredible higher function mm-hmm. and it's just been cut off and what tantra does 
the foundation of it is bringing all that back together and not only connecting with our divinity or our, our infinite selves and all that, but also that goes two ways. It's sort of, we always think of infinity and God up here, but it's also the earth. It's the, it's the pulse of the earth. And, mm -hmm. you know, my, my most recent book is called the divine union of the masculine and feminine. Mm -hmm. And one of the dynamics of the feminine, for example, is allowing us to feel that wildness, that chaos of the earth energy within all of us. Mm -hmm. And now you imagine if you're deeply connected to that, and let's say you make love, like it's not all about sex by a long shot, mm -hmm. but that's what we normally think about Tantra. We think mm -hmm. about it in sex. That changes everything. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. now you're playing with the you you're truly playing with universal energies mm. it's a hundred percent within all of our abilities mm -hmm. of course it's a journey to get there because we have to slowly deprogram all the limitations we've been mm -hmm. taught from our family church society everything and then it's almost like we just we just appear like we just become tantric it just happens it's almost like with every little program gone 10 other things disappear mm -hmm. and you're just a little happier mm -hmm. and a little calmer yeah. and you can hear your intuition whether it's with raising children or going to work or how to drive to work or mm -hmm. making love. you just are more whole and complete mm. you know? oh that feels so beautiful right yeah it's it's this for me, um, one of the gifts that I've been called to is to be um, more connected to Kuan Yin. And Kuan Yin regularly teaches me compassion and grace. And when she started coming in, I'm like, so how do I be more graceful? She's like, be more graceful. I'm like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> so I had to really tune in intuitively and be like okay what does that feel like because my brain was like trying to analyze it and I'm still mastering it um but when I slow down like a simple thing like blessing my water before I drink it brings me into the presence of the gift that it is and yeah. so I have a sense that part of the Tantra teachings are in that realm. Um, and Grace is really interesting because, so for example, I, um, not that I'm just, so I wrote this book here, Tantric Intimacy. And it was really interesting because I had been teaching Tantra for a while and people kept asking, you know, is there a book that I can read and to, to kind of get started? And I'm like, no. I, I'll have to, I'll just write one. <laughs> and so one of the hardest things about writing a book is the first chapter. Like, mm -hmm. how do you possibly create a foundation for all these teachings that is the right start point for everyone? Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's the, it's the hardest part for me about writing any book. And after many long tubs, I finally realized it was love. And we actually had to redefine love because many people, especially couples who had worked with me, mm -hmm. they really struggled to ever experience that complete merging, you know, because that's sort of the goal of Tantra. Like if, if within us, we want to feel that wholeness, but with another person, we want to polarize, kind of have this beautiful, loving, magnetic dance to the point that the dualities um, collapse and you actually experience the bliss of oneness. Mm. that's quite a thing to ask a couple mm -hmm. to drop all their guards and their fears and their struggles and their issues and their past and their resentments and everything like those yeah. are huge to say because energy doesn't lie mm -hmm. if there's anything in there you're not going to feel that blissful tantric experience right. that we see in the pictures of the gurus and stuff right mm -hmm. and so i realized that we actually needed to redefine love mm -hmm. and so how I under how I see it is if you look at the ancient Greek definitions of love, they have agape, philia, eros, and they have others too, but mm -hmm. these are the three we look at. 
And agape, for example, is actually what I would consider grace mm. here on earth. Grace is the love of each other, the love of humankind. Mm -hmm. And it, officially, it means like God's love for man or to look through the eyes of God. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting about that is agape, you don't even have to know someone. Mm -hmm. You just simply know that that other person is one one of the, I don't know, seven or nine billion, I can't remember how many people are on the, on the earth now, but just another soul on the planet. They're another kid in the sandbox. We have no idea what they've been through. We have no idea their story. We have no idea what karmic patterns or ancestral or epigenetics. We have no idea what they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. so why would we be anything but kind, oh. right? To completely respect their journey. This is agape. And it doesn't matter whether we don't know them or whether we know them intimately, whether they're our abusive parent or whether they are, who knows, our boss that we can't stand. Bottom line, that soul is sorting something out. Mm -hmm. So agape is this foundation of love. Yeah. And the interesting thing is it's, it's not even the interesting sexy stuff, but the problem is without agape, we cannot have philia, which is brotherly love, is which is where we actually are confidants with each other and we trust each other and we have like um, each other's back and we can have sanctuary with each other. And then within that, we can have eros with very specific people. Now you imagine having like loving, lustful, delicious thoughts with someone who you also have philia and agape with. Well, this is the safest place to dive into that kind of connection. Yeah. The greatest challenge we have is this lack of agape that maybe, and it's kind of that problem with love because it's been defined as tough love. Well, I'm only doing this because I love you. Like it's almost this weird word that's been used to the point that it doesn't mean anything anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh -huh. And if we've never experienced agape from family, from friends, from anyone, we don't know how to give it to ourselves either. Right. We're extremely unkind to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that's the closest thing on a really practical level that grace is. Mm. No, we always are simply kind. And we are mm. just, you know, it doesn't mean we put up with bad behavior or we right. do things that we don't want to, but we kind of like my sister would say that we look at it from 50,000 feet and go, hmm, all right, you know, I understand. Or I don't understand, but I don't have to understand. Right. Right. And that's the beautiful thing is because it's all how we show up first for ourselves. And then as, um, as we allow that energy to settle in, it's going to reflect in our relationships. Holy. It's so powerful. Like to be with someone who loves you, mm -hmm. like it's, it, it literally everything melts and you just feel so happy. And then if they like touch you, <laughs> like yeah. that's what, that's what flows through is mm -hmm. this, like this wonderful, wonderful energy. And it's so yeah. much more than we think it is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have a girlfriend who's, um, down in weed and she's pure love and every time i see her i just want to hug her and i've never felt and i hold hands with her she's just a sister and i just hold hands with her when we're walking and it just feels like the most natural thing on the planet i don't do that with anyone else other than her because i just feel that pure love with her and it's just a reminder for me that I can do that with anyone. Um, but it just feels really good with her because she's so in her heart. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So how do we start to shift our awareness into that space of agape? Mm. funny i think the first thing is we actually have to want it mm. you know if we actually look at our intention say in a relationship in an intimate in a lover relationship mm -hmm. we don't always actually get into them for love 
Sometimes we just simply want security. Right. And, and that's interesting, right? When we just want security, then I don't really care how you act. I don't really care how I act, but don't change too much because I actually just need you to be my safe place. Like it's an objectification of the other mm. person, mm -hmm. right? Sometimes we unconsciously choose a partner because we actually need to fight. We have some issues. We have some struggles with authority. We have struggles with people who are irresponsible. We have struggles with whatever. And we actually choose someone who matches our fight. Mm. We actually don't want to go away. Mm -hmm. And so it's a really interesting thing to actually sit down and actually ask ourselves, do I actually want this? Yeah. And if I do, it'll become easier, mm -hmm. you know? It'll actually become, because for example, a lot of people don't really want to practice agape with the parent that was unkind to them. Mm -hmm. They don't want to because yeah. inside they have to hold fury. They have to hold right. anger. They can't let them win. Mm -hmm. And that's a big deal. And that's real. Like it's, it's yeah. real. Oh, I, I know. I had, um, I now, after a lot of internal work, love my mother unconditionally, but there were many years where I didn't because I defined my lens through resentment or through being held back or whatever the story was. And it was so much easier to place blame on her than to look at myself and see where I was doing it for to myself. So once I had that shift in my awareness of, oh, she didn't do anything to me. She just showed me triggers within me that I needed to heal. Then, because I'm humble enough to want to change um, and see that my soul is like, no, you're not humble. <laughs> I'm telling you, you have to change. Um, like as I've released that, I see her soul and I see the divine being she is and I'm able to offer that agape to her. Unfortunately, she's got dementia, so she's able to receive it as she can. And I'm grateful that I was able to do this before she transitioned. Totally. Well, and it's interesting because we, we've also been trained in that drama triangle where there's, you know, the victim, the persecutor, the savior. And we had this indoctrinated into us from a very, very young age, you know, the wicked witch, the bad, whatever that is, right? Yeah. And I remember reading a book called How Meditation Saved My Life. And it was written by this Lama from Tibet. And when um, the Chinese came in and they were taken mm -hmm. and he was tortured mm -hmm. and they were, he ended up in Manhattan at a, um, a hospital for torture victims oh, wow. and what was interesting is in his culture there is no victim triangle like there was none of this they are the bad guy idea uh -huh. and so at one point they interviewed him you know to get his story kind of idea yeah but he had he had been recognizing that people were really disturbed by the torture <laughs> like he was like, people are really upset about it. And he was a very caring, loving, heartfelt person. Mm -hmm. So in the interview, he starts cracking jokes and kind of trying to tell this story of torture in a light and fun way. Right, right. He be upset about it. Like, right. Don't worry about it. Right. Right. So there, and he goes back to the room and they're like literally registering him, like signing him up for site consultations because wow. there's some. With this guy he doesn't think this is bad mm -hmm. he's like how in the world is he my persecutor right think about his life mm -hmm. think about the horrible existence and consciousness that that my torturer lives he said he's probably still there having to live this half life of a human mm -hmm. and here i am being cared for by wonderful people with all the freedom in the world in exile, doing what I do. How is, how am I the victim? Right. There was no concept of victimhood. Right. And very interesting and oh, very yeah. hard for our Western mind to conceptualize. Well, then all of a sudden to actually look around and if we've been traumatized, well, then we need to heal that. Right. If we have a broken leg, we don't ignore that we have a broken leg. Mm-hmm. 
but to hold the other person as the evil persecutor mm-hmm. because is to to what end like and it's interesting because it doesn't help right it doesn't help so you ask yourself then why am i doing it because it's actually torturing me it's torturing them mm-hmm. and the reality is in the world of agape they were just being themselves mm-hmm. whether we liked it or not whether right. unfortunately we came into the fray of it you know it's not personal like it's mm-hmm. a, it's a really challenging thing as a child to know that it had nothing to do with me. It could have right. been anyone. Right. They're just, it's sort of a, I really love Taoism. I love a lot of things, but I love Taoism. And, um, and you know, it's that old Taoist story where there's a, a Taoist monk sitting by the lake and he keeps reaching into the water and pulling out this scorpion that is drowning mm-hmm. and the scorpion stings him. And then he drops the scorpion back into the water and then he picks the scorpion up and it stings him and he keeps doing this. Yeah. And if, the passerby observes this and he says, why do you keep saving that scorpion? It keeps stinging you. And the, the Taoist master looks at him and says, well, I don't understand what's wrong. My nature is to save and the scorpion's nature is to sting. What's wrong? You know, like, yeah. it's so curious. We're so, yeah. it's like nature. There's no right or wrong in nature. The, the right. cheat is not a bad guy for eating the antelope. Mm-hmm. The, the antelope's not a victim. I, I, you're, you're bringing in this thing. So um, on Orcas Island, uh, I was up there for two months and I fell in love with the energy of the orca whales. And I found their native name. It's called Quilameshin. And anytime I see killer whale, anytime I see it, it's like this, all whales kill. They just cues, they kill cute things. That's the only difference between like a killer whale and every other kind of whale. And, and they love it. Like I can feel their energy whenever I do that defense for them, because like they're such magnificent beings, but we have this perception because they'll eat a seal or a something cute, um, usually seals or penguins or something. They're bad. And it's like, no, they're just hungry. Like we eat cows. Why, why is it different? Well, and this is, Ironically, it's it's actually a huge part of the whole being tantric thing, because mm. we actually need to reconnect as much as we need to reconnect with our divinity, our infinity, or you know that. Mm-hmm. We also need to actually reconnect with what's real, like our actual manifest selves. And the bottom line is, we all have thoughts and desires and all kinds of things that even we can't look at. And it's a very interesting thing because, so for example, like flowing in the mystery of what we really are, you know, that's it. I mean, I, I take, I take my son's dog to the dog park every day and while he's at work and dogs just are dogs, they run over there and then they do this and then, Oh, they sniff this and then they chew on ice and then they go here. They're just going, they're not sitting around wondering, gee, I've already chewed the ice three times. I should be doing that. Like they're just living. We need to become that free. Yep. Right. Like an an example, like even in tantric lovemaking, people are like, well, so tell me like, how do you actually have tantric sex? And it's like, relax. Yeah. Relax. There's no rules. There's no postures. There's no, there's no nothing. Mm -hmm. It's actually two beings. And if we can actually shut off our minds and allow the bodies to make love without any attachment, without any goals, without anything at all, and just stay in the moment, the bodies will just flow. They will do whatever. Mm -hmm. We can't have judgment about it. Right. And as much as we have the same way we have judgment about orcas or we have judgment about alcoholics or we have judgment about whoever, Mm -hmm. we do have judgment of ourselves and that limits us Mm -hmm. because suddenly, well, no, I only act this way. It's like, well, then that's as big as your sex experience is going to be right there. That's, that's, that's all you've got. Yeah, but what anything was possible, and that doesn't mean you have to be into all kinds of kinky things. Right, it just means that in any moment, are you willing to go there? Are you willing to flow into that space? Mm-hmm. It's so wild because people talk about, oh, people make love tantric love for like hours and hours and hours, and it's true because you're just flowing with it. It would just be the same as, I mean, I've never seen orcas or anything like that, but imagine you're on an adventure 
and you go over here and you see this and then you go over here and then all of a sudden you're like oh my we've been out here for six hours can mm -hmm. you believe that's what tantric lovemaking is you know you're you're basically hanging out with a beautiful friend naked <laughs> like and you just allow whatever it is to happen mm -hmm. and it's and it's it's so simple and and it's so profound like and it's yeah. so beautiful and in the end it's like you remember who you are like you really remember what it is to be human mm -hmm. and i don't know i think that's when you start getting that twinkle of the guru you know like you always see these buddhist gurus and they're kind of walking around they kind of look at you and they've got this little giggle in their head because they're like mm -hmm. they're like don't worry it's actually better than you think <laughs> right 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 because like we we have these I think the 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 most beautiful thing because I've I've watched this from unwind a lot this past week is like self-judgment and I was laying in bed the other night and I got frustrated with the part of my body that's just achy and I caught the frustration and then I caught what was behind the frustration which was the judgment. And then I felt, wow, I saw you. Mm -hmm. What a gift to finally see you because you've been hiding so incredibly well. And this is another piece of me that I get to love. Really? And for the rest of the night, I was just like, <laughs> because it's just another piece of me that is now ready to be as opposed to do or pretend I have to meet some expectation of someone else. It's just another part that's like, okay, I'm ready to just be. Yeah. Yeah. When it's funny because, um, so one of the big things that shifted in my life. So I, I went to university, I met this woman, she had a cute brother who happened to be a dairy farmer. I married him, moved to the middle of nowhere had a couple babies. And when I was 29, I became sick. I had breast lumps and my mom had just died of breast cancer and her mom and all the other women. And so I knew that I was going to take a different route. And of course, as it works, a teacher appeared and he actually was already in my life because he was mentoring us as we took the farm organic and he had been electrocuted. He was carrying a hydro wire back in 87. He was carrying an extension ladder rather. And he hit a power line and he was electrocuted and he basically died, but then wow. he came back and he yeah. was able to heal and, you know, kind of got a recharge. Yeah. Yeah. So he helped me, he helped me sort of unpack what was really killing the women in my family. Mm. And, and he's so funny because of course, Whatever it was, like whatever that jolt did, it it I don't think it made him superhuman, but I think what it did is it um dropped the veils in between all the lifetimes. Mm -hmm. Right. And because I mean, that's part of being human is that we only see this incarnation. Because as soon as that happened, he suddenly had awareness of all of his lives. Oh wow. Which is very disturbing. It took him quite a while to actually yeah. reintegrate. Yeah, yeah. This one, you know. Mm -hmm. But what was interesting is he would, we, we spent a lot of time talking and we would talk and talk and talk. And he'd look at me, he goes, I don't get humans. He says, we walk around all day long, all stressed out when we could just walk around fully orgasmic all the time. Why would we choose to be stressed out? Mm -hmm. And of course I'm like 29 going. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you come from? But he was so interesting and he was so whole. Like he was so, I want to say integral. Like he was completely real. Wow. And it was, and I wasn't someone who necessarily trusted easily mm -hmm. because ever since I was really young, you kind of watch people and you watch the adults and you're like, no, nobody has integrity, mm -hmm. not teachers, not anybody. So you just sort of expect that most people are kind of talking out of their hat. Like they're just, you know, mm -hmm. and then here's this guy. And I would just sit and stare at him. Like, how old are you? Are you like 700 or something? But in reality, he was right. He had that many lifetimes packed into his Ooh. system. 
right? Yeah. And, and so it's the same thing, like right there, you bringing back that part of you, like reintegrating that, I could feel it here. I could feel it in me, that beautiful bliss state. And isn't it curious that we don't live in that bliss state? Right. It's right there. But we're so caught up in all these ideas that, no, I have to, I have to worry about that. And I have to be concerned about that. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, are we sure? Are we sure we have to be worried about all these things? Right. Or can we actually just allow ourselves to be blissed out and happy? Mm. Like, what if that's our natural human condition? Yeah. I sense it is. And and I know when I had this experience, I'll, I'll share this with you, of awareness where um, it was Christmas and I'm staying at a friend's house and the cat, uh, V, her nickname is V, she sat on me and Christmas carols were playing. Her ears flattened back and I hear the guidance to listen to what she's listening to. So I start tuning into the frequency. And our the frequency that works for us is 432. That's the natural. Most music is 440. So now I'm hearing the dissonance of the sound. And then I tune into the lyrics. And there's a lot of separation. There's a lot of illusion. And these are songs I love, but I'm still feeling the separation and the, like, you're here, Jesus is here, like all these different layers of programming. And finally, after about a half hour, she just got disgusted and left. And I just had this, oh my gosh, I just had my entire awareness of the programs shifted completely from being present just being present and and tuning into her awareness and she was just holding space for me to be aware of it when we allow ourselves to slow down enough to receive those messages i mean she didn't do anything to me other than like give me the space and the awareness that happens all of the time we have those opportunities totally Totally. Well, it's just, it's funny. I have that. There's a country song that goes, I'm in a hurry. I don't know why, you know, to, to, and it's so curious why we rush through the day. Yeah. You know, why we, you know, I just got to get it. And it's like, where are we going? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's a, it is quite an illusion that there's something else. It's funny. I, I, uh, in Kashmir Shaivism, which is a, a, a brand of Tantra or a school of Tantra, they talk about how um, in or- and we talk about, you know, this, so there's Shiva Shakti, right? This is the oneness. Okay. And in order for us to become, to live in duality, it's separate, they separate. And Shiva is sort of the masculine consciousness and Shakti is our manifest selves. And life is sort of this beautiful dance between this, right? Mm-hmm. And it's enjoyable. Right, Shakti's experiencing life, and Shiva's in, like it's just this this wonderful thing in all of us. Mm-hmm. And but of course, and we say this: oh, I'm a divine being in a physical body, or whatever, a physical body having a divine, whatever, whatever we want yeah. to say it. But the bottom line is, how does that really work? Right? Mm-hmm. How how does it really work? Like, I mean, these are all just words. Well, they have this theory that there are five fetters or limitations. So basically you start with this God self or infinite self or beyond our comprehension, the oneness, the quantum field, however we see it. And basically it's like, well, if we want to go to earth, if we want to have a human experience, we need to limit our godly self, right? We can't be actually have this um, for, so for say, let's say time, time is a limitation, right? Time says a true God self is all time, all the time, Mm -hmm. just oneness. So it says, you know what? One of the limitations of being human is you're going to understand time as past, present, and future. Mm -hmm. And you're going to actually walk through it chronologically. That's not God's stuff. That's human stuff, Mm -hmm. right? It's actually quite painful sometimes because deep down we know it's not real. Right. 
it's just, it is intrinsic to being human. Mm-hmm. Another thing is um, a causality. The idea that this happened, it caused this. And, uh, that's not true. It all just is. But to be human, another one is that we can only do so much. We, we you know, I can only write one book a year. I can't write 600 in a day, mm-hmm. which I could if I had full power, <laughs> right? Or yeah. I only know so much where, you know, and, and the other one, oh, the other one is that we believe that we are incomplete. Mm. And that what that does is it creates desire inside of us to complete ourselves, to perfect ourselves. Mm-hmm. Those five things create the human experience. Mm. Of course, we can get completely lost in them and be depressed and angry and lose all sense of time and space and just, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Or we can remember that we're also divine. And my favorite example of it is imagine like a professional hockey player, you know, and he's got this little 10 year old nephew and the nephew's like, Hey, could you come and play with my team? That'd be so cool. Right. Well, the professional hockey player could just go and babysit and be bored all day. Or they can set up some fun handicaps for him right? He's got to tie his right arm behind him and he's got to have a patch over one eye and he can only skate backwards. And, you know, well, now all of a sudden the professional hockey player has to try, Uh right? He's actually playing. He's actually in. Well, that is the tantric experience. We remember that we actually are always a professional hockey player, but we know we're playing. We're on earth. Like, why wouldn't we? Okay. Yeah. I'll play with time. You know, I'm looking forward to dinner tonight, later, right on, you know? Mm-hmm. And and yeah, I have all these memories, good or bad or whatever, but we're just going to play with it. And I'm going to pretend I can't know everything. Obviously I can. All I have to do is pray for it and it'll simply drop into me like right. the matrix. Right. But we can play with it and we can embrace this life fully remembering our truth. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, like even imagine making love. And you're fully aware and you're like, okay, let's see what this body can do. <laughs> right. And suddenly yeah. the body becomes a channel. Mm-hmm. What we really are. Yeah. You're so powerful. Mm. You know, that yeah. is so beautiful. Yeah. That's my favorite new fun thing that I like to think about. <laughs> As well, it should be. That's fun. Right? Yeah. Like how do we play in the in the realms of the illusion of being just human while still knowing like I I have awarenesses come in like okay um I was at a dinner a few weeks ago with some friends and I felt uh we were in Portland, Oregon and I felt that like the four of us coming together created something of light that had a ripple effect across Portland. Now, that's one level. The other level is we were just four people connecting and having an amazing dinner. So I see there's more than one level. um, And there's more than that. Oh, it's so much fun to walk around. there's There's so much more than we no, like for example, like I had, I had one man working with me, and he wanted to study tantra. So I used to do this year long program, and and as the months went on, and he was actually like applying this to his relationship and his life and everything, he's like, okay, Katrina, like when I started, I thought I knew like maybe ten percent of tantra. You know, I'd read your book and stuff. He says, as the months go on, I feel like I know less and less and less every month. And that's the point mm-hmm. because all of these limitations make a very small playing field. Yep. As the limitations are lost, the playing field keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. So our percentage of our knowledge becomes smaller and smaller and smaller, but there's a joy in it mm-hmm. because we no longer get a kick out of, like, it's not, it's sort of that, uh, one of the big things about like the divine union of the masculine and feminine is we have to get over the domination paradigm that we've mm-hmm. lived in for a long mm-hmm. time. 
because that makes us want to understand everything. I need to be able to control this. I need to know everything. Otherwise, I can't be happy. Mm-hmm. So we have this idea that power makes me happy. And that includes in relationship with our intimate ones, with our family, that I need to be in control. You can't just control me. You can't, I'm not, a, you know, this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But the reality is you can have all the power in the world and you'll never be happy. Right. Happiness comes from union. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden, the more connected you are to reality, which is this infinite playing field, the happier you get. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. And it's such a funny thing because it goes against this domination paradigm we've been right. taught. It's right. like, this is real. It's like sitting by the ocean. You sit by the ocean. You cannot fathom what's going on in that ocean. Mm-hmm. You can't fathom the depths, the size, nothing. There's nothing about the ocean that's fathomable. And yet it's so peaceful and it's so blissful to sit there mm-hmm. because you instantly kind of come into union with it mm-hmm. and there's no power there's no nothing right there just is I, I had the opportunity to spend many a summer night watching the sunset up in um up near vancouver and the sun didn't set till 10 30 on um on the solstice mm. and i was watching the water at 10 30 at night watching the sunset and i got out there at like 8 30 and i was sitting there for two hours and nothing nothing other than the sunset and the waves were happening i didn't have anything other than wanting to be there for that and because i was just in the state of like okay this is what i get to watch and this is amazing i got to see so many other things but just watching that combination of sunset and water whew, hours i could do that for hours This is one of the things that we don't understand about things like Tantra that like, you know, one of the number one things people say to me is, well, I can't study Tantra because I don't have a partner. And it's like, all you need is a sunset. Mm -hmm. All you need is something to merge with Mm -hmm. for you to sit there and just receive this. This is it. Mm -hmm. If if you can't do it there, you wouldn't, you can't do it with a partner anyway. Like if you Slow yourself down and understand the miracle that you're observing. Mm-hmm. Understand it. If you can't really accept it into us, you know, but that's it. It's just, I remember when I, when I was researching tantric intimacy, I was, well, it was kind of funny because I was, I had decided to go celibate. I was recently single. I did, um, I divorced about 10 years ago. And so after being married, for 20 years and then living in a very small town. I moved to Toronto, which is much more fun to date in than yep. a town of 8,000 people. And so I, I enjoyed that a lot for a little while. And then I decided I needed to go celibate because men might've just been my favorite drug. <laughs> that was kind of yeah. like, yeah, it, it was time to take a break from that. Mm-hmm. And so I, I went celibate. And what I realized, this is actually when the masculine feminine really became clear for me that inside of me i was seeking something in the masculine but i realized i actually needed to create it inside of me Mm. and not outside of me well actually it was my daughter at the time she was about 18 i think at the time and she i was dating a lot and she looked at me one day and she said you know mom it's like you have this shadow beside you because i'd been married for so long Mm -hmm. and she said and you're waiting for someone to fill the space and I was like, I need to bring that inside. I need yeah. to pull, right? Mm-hmm. And I started to, re- so I actually became my own best boyfriend, mm. right? What do I want in a man? Well, then I'm going to do that. And then, of course, the bar is raised for anyone mm-hmm. who I want to date because you've got to be at least as good as I am. Because why I would that. I perfection, right? Yeah. Well, the crazy thing is this inner union that I was experiencing, I'm like walking down the street, like I'm walking with my best guy or something. And I'm like, so happy. Like it was that union, just like you were saying that like lost part of yourself. I was like, and so I'd be sitting in the Toronto, one of the big Toronto reference library, researching Tantra for Tantric Intimacy. And I'm researching this beautiful poems and stuff, right? And I would read this poem and all of a sudden my body would go into this full body orgasm. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I'm laughing my head off thinking, oh my God, I hope I didn't make a sound. <laughs> and I was like, well, and now I'm starting to understand what Jim, my teacher meant. Mm. Right. And I'm not like orgasm guy from Saturday Night Live. Like you're not like that. It's this beautiful, <laughs> like, it's, it's like the hair standing up on end, listening to music or something taking your breath away, but it doesn't go away. It stays mm -hmm. in this lovely vibration. Mm. And, and it's completely possible. But of course, and that's again, where it starts within us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We have to find that union within, and then we have it all the time. Right. And then simply, if you want to be in relationship with someone, well, you've already got everything you want. So now all of a sudden you've got this other person and you're like, hmm, do you want to play? That you have no expectations of them. Right. You have no commitment. You have no anything. Because I'm good one way or the other. So you want to do something new and different? Like that's yeah. fun. And let's let's make something bigger. Mm -hmm, let's mm -hmm. make bigger energy. Let's see where we can go together because two people can go places that one person can't. Mm -hmm. But it's, but you do it from a place of wholeness mm -hmm. and it's almost like you just sort of bring your bliss states together mm. and, and it, it's just, it's a completely different experience Yeah, because even in lovemaking, it's just a fun adventure. It's kind of like, wow. Again, you know, and afterwards you're lying there going, wow, I don't know what that was. Like, I don't know. That was, that was <laughs> because <laughs> you're just because you weren't in control you didn't right. plan you just sort of flowed with the ocean and mm. wherever you were taken you were like wow never been here before <laughs> <laughs> you know oh so beautiful you are such a delight <laughs> oh, yeah it's fun so tell me, you have three books, and I'm curious about all of them because um, this is definitely a journey that I'm. It feels like the next step for me, so I want to hear yeah, about your well, books. Actually, my my first book, my first book was this one. It was called It's called What If You Could Skip the Cancer, and this is actually the story of my journey with my first teacher. And as much as it's about, it's not really about cancer. Cancer was just the vehicle that mm -hmm. scared me enough to turn, to change my life. Mm -hmm. And the biggest change was that shift from my brain to my heart. Mm -hmm. you know, we're really trained that our brain knows everything. And for me, I was, a school was easy for me. I had a degree in mathematics. Like that was my thing. Like I was mm -hmm. a computer grammar back in the day. And, and so for me, I, I kind of actually believed that my brain was all I had. Mm. That was my ace in the hole. Without that, I was worth nothing. But part of my journey was I had to learn to turn that off mm -hmm. so I could hear something else and I could hear guidance. Mm -hmm. And so that's actually what this book is about. It's actually about how to hear our intuition and how to really trust it and, and really live that mm -hmm. way. And then the next book that came out was, was Tantric Intimacy. And this is essentially, it's, it's all of my teachings. Like I have online courses and stuff. If people prefer to have visuals and video and homework, and it's a bit more interactive that way. Mm -hmm. But, um, and this was written after my online courses. And so it's a slightly different content, but it's, it's cool. And then the next book actually was this book called, you don't have to eat the eyeballs. <laughs> a friend of my when a friend of one of my uh one of my friend's daughters and and it's actually a story of in 2018 I gave everything away I was single my children had all moved off around the world and I uh I gave everything away and I got down to a backpack and I just started traveling oh wow I lived with families who wanted to learn English I lived with students I just traveled on my own and I just trusted that I just went where I was called. Mm -hmm. And I ended up in a place in Guadeloupe down in the Caribbean. And I found myself faced with having to eat fish eyeballs. <laughs> and, and I am not an adventurous eater. I'm the person that goes to a restaurant and orders the same thing for three years. Like, that's me. But I'm also an insane people pleaser. Like I'm oh. terrible. 
So now there's these eyeballs <laughs> sitting there. And my hosts, who I'm supposed to be staying with for three months, helping them, they're staring at me like, why don't you eat the head of the fish? It's, it's a delicacy, I'm sure. Ugh. And I'm like dying. Like, I'm like, I can't eat the fish. I can't eat <laughs> and I'm like, so then I was like, in my head, but I, there's no way I can't do it because my people pleasing so deep, right? I was oh. like, and so finally I like stabbed my fork, my the fork, and I'm like, I'm just so dying, right? And then in my head, I'm like, Trina, you've done harder things than this. You can do this. And my head's like, like this, like, and then finally my final mantra was, Katrina, you've eaten wieners. Wieners are worse than this. So eat the damn eyeball, right? So I put the eyeball in my mouth, but it was too big. I couldn't swallow it. I had to chew it. Oh, oh yeah. I was dying, like dying. And so I bit down and there was a hard thing inside. And so I spit it out on my plate and my, my hosts were dying. They were just like, at first they were laughing and then they were all insulted. And I was just like, oh my God, the worst thing ever, like, you know. And so I go back home and I like call a friend, right? And this friend wasn't a people pleaser. Like that's not her bag. And I'm like, you know, I had to eat this eyeball. And it was so, and she just, she's like, why don't you just say no? I was like, what? You can't say no? And she's like, of course you can. Why do you want, yeah. And she's, and I'm like, so this became this journey of, am I eating eyeballs all day long? And I just don't think that I can say no, like all the time. And so what was interesting is I, I lived with a lot of families and I did a lot, which is hard on a people pleaser. Uh -huh. And in the end, it actually came down. I was actually living oh. on a farm in Sicily and there was all kinds of, they were always fighting. The family was always yelling at each other and, and it was just wild. I, I, and that's not my nature. And I, uh -huh. it was strange to hear people like all out yelling, like just unheard of for me. And anyway, I finally broke down. Traveling's exhausting. Traveling's oh, yeah. exhausting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In countries where you don't speak the language, it does something really weird. You, you get a weird depression that happens mm. inside can never articulate and listen. It's very strange. Well, anyway, it all wore me right down <laughs> and I crashed and burned. And I finally, I came to this place of needing to really love myself for oh. once and for all. And so I had this huge revelation about it. And so that's what this book is about. It's sort of from the eating the eyeballs, it's stories from my travels, living in different that's countries. Beautiful. And then back to finally actually finding self-love and then my most recent book is this one i don't know my nose is so itchy but this is called the divine union of the masculine feminine mm. it just came out in august and Congratulations. this is is my current passion because it builds upon like the tantric intimacy again that love right mm -hmm. that we need to actually redefine what's possible mm -hmm then we need to redefine the masculine and feminine because we believe what we understand masculine and feminine and not even genders, but mm -hmm. what we understand them are really just negative gender stereotypes mm -hmm. as opposed to the universal energies of the masculine and feminine mm -hmm. that actually play together and dance and support each other and build each other up. And when you keep playing with them, and again, this is the thrill of duality. Mm -hmm. Right? When we really understand the universal energies of duality, life is amazing, right? And all of a sudden, all of our connections become true connections mm. and everything is building and everything is, is wonderful. And so this is, this is something I'm, I'm teaching a lot right now. I'm actually um, running a facilitator training right now in this because I really want people all over the world to share this because mm -hmm. it changes everything and we're ready like our consciousness has uh -huh. shifted that we're now ready to say, okay, you know what? I'm done with that. Uh -huh. Now it's going to be real. Uh -huh. Now we're going to actually be loving, be kind, but we need to redefine everything that we've been living with for millennia. But uh -huh. It's right there. It's like, you know, even in the classes I'm having right now, 
we're sitting there and we're talking about things and people are like, oh my God, I, I get it now. Like mm. all of a sudden our lives are making sense, but it's not necessarily in a blaming way anymore. Right, just, right. It's a, oh, we were just in separation. Mm. Oh, there was just this domination thing. Oh, beautiful. Oh, right. And it's just yeah. all the charge goes out of it. And then we understand how to be different going forward. Mm. So it's, I love that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's time. Like people Mm -hmm. want this, Mm -hmm. you know, that's how I feel that. Yeah. Oh my dear. I haven't laughed that hard. (laughs) I mean, my jaws were hurting. So thank you. (laughs) Oh my God. I, you, you triggered, like I was in China in 2016 and we go to this hydro facility with my ex-partner and at one point we're at this uh, like they serve as a buffet but they don't have labels so I'm like I'm eating the vegetables like Mm -hmm. that's pretty much where I'm like I can identify vegetables well I see this one thing and it looks like a crispy onion no label so I (laughs) I pick it up and I find out after I take it, it's like the saltiest thing I've ever had in my life. I'm like, <laughs> water, you know, like choking on it. It's a fish heart. <gasps> and it's a delicacy. And I'm like, I, 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 like, so you're telling it about the fish eye. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> so, so wrong. So, so, so funny because like I've had that, like, not to the degree that you had, but I've had people pleasing and like to, to really like, tune into that is this really serving me or am i trying to make somebody else feel good totally that's such a big beautiful amazing journey and oh oh. (laughs) (laughs) well and to believe that the truth within us is actually the right path yep that's that to me is the number one shift in listening to our intuition listening to our yeses and nos that our yes is truth like it's uh, you know it's satya it's it's the truth that we actually want to follow and it's so interesting how we've been trained or we've learned to follow the no yeah because it makes someone else happier well then we're just off path mm-hmm. you know and then we have all this attachment to you know because again if if I had someone visiting me from another country and they didn't want to eat something, I wouldn't be offended if they didn't eat it. No. Well, if somebody else is offended because I didn't eat it, that's on them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's nothing to do with me. Right. Right. Because it's expectations. And whenever we place expectations on something, it's going to go awry. Right. Like where's the grace and, and kindness and compassion there? Right. I mean, clearly they saw you were struggling. Clearly. (laughs) I mean, I'm not even there firsthand and I could feel the struggling. And, and like, I would have been like, you know, here, here's a banana. Why don't you just eat that instead? Because clearly this is not something that's in your field. No, they, they, there was something to be, something to prove, but alas, but I wrote a book out of it. So that was fun. It's like I heard that some when someone said, you know, when things go really wrong, I remember something was really hard, and someone said, Well, this will be good for the plot. Yeah. It's like yeah. Oh, it's so that. true. Like you don't get good stories from boring lives. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, Katrina. I'm so grateful that you and I connected and that you uh felt the call to join me on a conversation and I'm going to ask one final question because I really have to pee after two hours. (laughs) And that is how do people find you? Yeah. The best thing is to just go to my website at katrinaboss.ca, just one S. And, and I also have a YouTube channel that's Katrina boss and there's hundreds and hundreds of videos there. Awesome. I teach on Insight Timer, which is a free app, which is really wonderful to teach live there. And yeah, those are some of the best ways, but it's all on my website. I have a newsletter that I send out once a week that um, with all upcoming courses and trainings and 
and articles and videos and, and this, you know, so. Awesome. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for your newness, for showing up, for all the work you do in the world. And it's been such an honor, my dear. Oh, this has been super fun. It has been. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much. Can you help me redefine truth and preservation of our soul shine? I can feel it yours and mine. Close your eyes and witness it inside. In your bones, you will know. Trust and let go. Let it flow.